the Fantasy Focus Baseball a different way. Monday, March 23rd, 2020. I'm Eric. That's smiling Tristan over there. He's in a museum right now. Uh, I'm in an empty room. He's in a museum. That kind of sums it up for the two of us, I think. <laughs> so, Gee, I wonder, I wonder what team I'm a fan of. I, I have no clue. I, maybe you've heard of them. So you're a Mets fan, Tristan. So what's your favorite uh, moment in Mets history? I'm just curious. Uh, Is it um, when you won the World Series? That was a long time ago you guys won the World Series. Was it the Piazza bat-throwing thing? Um, was it um, was it something Lee Mazzilli did? Ed Crane on, actually, Yeah, I, 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 you know what? I really appreciated that 1986 World Series. That was a good one. <laughs> and now I've been hated by the entire fandom of one particular franchise that's going to remind me about uh, an instance 18 years later, which... Uh, <laughs> Dude, there's like six people watching slash listening right now. So anyway, this is Fantasy Focus Baseball. No promises after this, but we're doing it today. And on today's show, we're going to discuss Chris Sale. Something happened to his arm. We're going to discuss the tout drafts we did a few weeks ago. Uh, other stuff that's going on. I'll read something. And then a little bit later on, Kyle Soppy will join us. And um, and we'll do some hashtags, hash browns, right? So I could use some maybe, hash browns. Maybe right today, now. maybe today they're hashtags. No, they're hash browns. Let's keep doing the show we can the way we do it, although yeah. with a few differences. So yeah. let's get right to the news. Chris Sale. Oh, we didn't we didn't do an intro to the news. We got to have the buzz. I'm just quick, just checking in. Are you doing okay? <laughs> doing the best we can. We're we're making do. We're 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 doing making making the best of the situation or making our own sound bites. What do you think? Yeah, and by the way, people, like brief edit here, please take this seriously so we don't have to do this for another year. Okay. So yes. um <laughs> Be be safe, stay healthy. What what, what was it? Be, stay be, in. be smart, be smart, be smart, stay safe, be healthy. <laughs> All right, so the Chris Sale news happened late last week, and I have a bunch of thoughts on this. One was, why is anybody surprised that the Red Sox left and needs Tommy John surgery? I think we knew this months ago. Um, but two, I wonder if this starts a minor trend of teams saying, well, we may not even play baseball this season, so let's just shut them down now and get them ready for 2021. Uh, in Sale's case, I, I think that we, we – hesitated for a moment when the Red Sox gave that uh, reaction that it wasn't something that was going to require Tommy John surgery. And I'm, I agree with you, Eric. I'm not terribly surprised that this is the outcome. Uh, what did really take me for a surprise was the subsequent news that Andres Munoz of the Padres needed it. So to your point about our teams going to uh, err on the side of caution with pitchers who need major surgeries, I, I think that's certainly possible that we're going to see that happen a little bit more often that if a player had an injury that might not have been severe enough that they could have tried to press through this year that maybe teams will err on shutting players down uh, i'm also noticing that that a lot of teams are sending down prospects uh even during this pause in mlb which i think tells us a lot about the way teams are sort of playing this and strategizing i, I mean in sales case it's it's bad news but at least this gives us a timetable as to when he can return um, we talked a little bit about this in our column on Friday about the, the, the dynasty impact. And I said, I throw him at 35th. And in the end, I think I put him at 37th among dynasty starters. That was sort of my reaction to, to the impact on sale long-term. All right. So the next time sale pitches, will be, I think 32 years old, Tristan, don't you have concerns? I mean, I know you ranked him cautiously in like the mid thirties for dynasty anyway, but I'm not assuming that he even makes all six months of starts next season. To me, this is a little riskier because of his age, the way he throws, how hard he throws. 
I'm not saying I'm crossing them off my dynasty list, but man, it'd be tough for me. Like like Brandon Woodruff, a guy like that, I would definitely take younger players at this point. In fact, first of all, in dynasty, I would just take hitters. I don't want any pitchers, really. But I mean, I just have concerns about Sale moving forward here. You don't, you and AJ didn't have the concerns that I had. I don't think. I kind of do. I, I think your description hits the nail on the head here, and that is that I also would prefer guys like Woodruff. And if it was me drafting a team fresh from scratch today, I'm probably going to avoid Sale. And and part of that is just that I do also, like you, rank pitchers more pessimistically in long term, especially true dynasty leagues. I think he'd move down even further. I don't even know if he's a top 50 starter for me. And you're right. This is going to raise those questions again about the delivery, which people believed when he was first breaking through as a star for fantasy, that it puts a lot of stress on his arm. I don't know how he's going to recover from that. But my main thing is I've got to give a projection. I've got to give a ranking. And the velocity wasn't substantially down last year, even in a poor season. So I felt like the projection supported it. But I'm with you. I'm, I'm, I'm a bit pessimistic. Do you have any thoughts on the other Red Sox starting pitchers? Because we wrote about that also in the uh, the roundtable. And I said I was a little bit concerned about Eduardo Rodriguez because if, it's almost like Boston is telling us something here by shutting Sale down. And Rodriguez has not been durable in his career. They have no other starting pitching to count on. I mean, if you want to talk about Ryan Weber, be my guest. But to me, like Boston's saying, we're taking a year off. So I wonder why would they push Eduardo Rodriguez if he has the the least bit tweak in his knee or his elbow or his shoulder or anything. That's a good point here, is that I do not understand the reaction of how one injury to another player creates this domino effect that benefits the other members of the starters, uh, of the rotation. Uh, The only way in which it does that is it provides an opportunity for a new name to get in there, which is why, as you mentioned, Weber, or we could mention Colin McHugh, or perhaps some of the Red Sox prospects, or the one that you know that I like from relief, Darwins and Hernandez. I'd like to see him get a starter's opportunity. I don't think it's going to happen. But Eduardo Rodriguez, Rodriguez was remarkably healthy last year. A lot of things went right, and he has injury risk. I don't think this benefits him in any way. In fact, I would argue it might tax the entire team's rotation more, or the the entire team's pitching staff more, that they lean on him too much, and it hurts him. So I didn't move him at all in the rankings. Weber is the only one who I think gets a real benefit, because I think this does ink him into the Red Sox rotation. He does have good control. He does get a lot of ground balls, but that's a streaming guy. It's not special stuff. That's a guy you're going to have to do a lot of homework on. All right, let's talk about the bigger picture here. Do you have any drafts that are already scheduled for, the, like, to say, the next couple of weeks? I have no drafts at this point going forward. Uh, the last one was the one that you and I did. It was our auto new draft. And uh, I had one that was tentatively scheduled tomorrow but got rescheduled. And I think that's the right move. I'm, I'm glad that most of my leagues and actually all of my local leagues have delayed. How about you? Yeah, I mean, like, first of all, the night we did that auto new draft, I had another auto new draft at the exact same time. And I was thinking, this is going to be interesting, like a test case. It wasn't fun at all. I messed up both drafts. Like, there's constant, like, three, you know, countdowns and beepings. And I just didn't do well in either draft doing it that way. I didn't plan it. I don't run either league. It just happened. Um, but I agree. Like, I didn't want, I don't want to be doing any drafts right now because I don't want to have to guess. Is there going to be a 100-game season, a 40-game season? It affects how you draft. So I was wondering, like, what are your thoughts on on that? Like, it's a total guess. We don't even know if there's going to be any games. But whether it's 100 or 50 or all the, any of that, like, what is the difference to you? Because, like, I, well, let me just get that. What is the difference in how you draft right now? 
So there isn't a substantial difference from a strategic standpoint. The only benefit here is that if you had players who had short-term injury timetables who didn't have broader injury questions, Giancarlo Stanton fitting into that, uh, that group, it does benefit them a little bit. So you and I, I know we are a little bit more pro Mike Clevenger than we would be because Clevenger's timetable would have had him ready near the original opening day as is. He might have missed a week or two. Now it's very likely he would be at full strength for the time that we reboot and restart baseball. Uh, but I, I'm not really making any rash adjustments otherwise. Clevenger went back into my top 10 starters. I, I feel like it's now safe again to draft him amongst that group. The other is... I'm very interested in the pitchers who were going to face innings caps with the high likelihood that we're not going to play 162 games this season. I now am a, a lot more interested in guys like Lance McCullers, like Frankie Montas, younger guys who might have been held to 140 or 150 innings. That's now going to cover a broader part of the season, and they're going to be competitive with some of the aces out there. So those are the ones I'm going to draft a little bit more aggressively. Right, and that's an important difference here because, like, on a pitcher like Spencer Howard, I'm a Phillies fan, so I'm thinking of Spencer Howard. Like, if you if you prorate down, what are you drinking? Is that a Star Wars mug? Yeah, good old Chewy. <laughs> you and Chewbacca, friends. Gotta Howard. have your coffee. Yeah. <laughs> so, like, in a way, baseball is prorating down the innings. Okay, so like, say 162 games. Say it's a half of that. Okay, Spencer Howard's arm. If they were going to give him 130 innings, they don't have to prorate that down in half. That's not how it's going to work. So in theory, Spencer Howard could be a full-time rotation member of the Phillies this season if it's only half a season because he might have done that anyway. So my original th- – but it also could go the other way here. They could gain an extra year of of having his you know contract and saying, well – you know, we're not winning the World Series anyway, so we'll just push him back a full year. I don't know which one it is, and that's what concerns me. Do you have a thought on that? Actually, that's a very interesting point that hadn't dawned upon me, is that we might create this accordion effect on the younger players in that the value range will expand. To your point, we might not see players called up. Uh, I know you've mentioned Dylan uh, Carlson, a very popular option in fantasy several weeks ago for the Cardinals, potentially making the team. What if they take a more conservative approach and, as you said, try to keep his service time in check? But the other effect is, as you mentioned, Howard. Teams are going to be a little bit closer to contention the smaller the season. If we get to September and the rosters do expand, and granted it's a different approach under the new rules, but if teams are in contention, are they going to look at players like Howard who they haven't used up in the shorter minor league season and call them up at the end of the year in order to compete in a playoff race? I think we might get a little bit more value out of younger players later in the year. So interesting, interesting point on Howard. Right. And again, like nothing's going to be announced in March, maybe not even in April. So we're not going to know what's going to happen with the season for a long time. But if you are drafting soon, I really don't recommend it. Some people are saying that they want to do drafts now because they're so bored and it gives them something to do. Well, it it almost I know this is going to sound bad to everybody, but it creates the opposite effect for me. I'm if I'm doing a draft. Well, the season's not starting for a while. So it's like you're teasing me, bringing me in. And I'm drafting Michael Chavis of the Red Sox today in a league. And now I'm like, well, I'm not going to get to see him play for a while. It almost creates the opposite effect for me. It depresses me to do a draft now because I want to play. I want to watch real baseball. Do you know what I did last week? I watched that that Phillies-Cubs 23-22 game four times in one day. I just kept watching it. I knew it was going to happen. 
Schmidt hits the home run off Bruce Suter in the tenth. Like, and and the next day I'm watching Mark Bedard Friedrich, who I I was too young to watch live at the time, but it's like that was really cool. And baseball, by the way, couldn't be more different in the seventies than it is today. Some one of our friends texted me and said, "You're the same size as Larry Boa." I, I mean, like the players don't look the same. <laughs> And I'm not even the size of Larry Poe. Yeah. He's like, he's so little. Or Rudy Maoli. Anyway, back to I'm my loving, original point. Yes. I'm loving the old, uh, I'm loving the old games too. I have to admit. And <laughs> considering look around me, why was I subjecting myself to this? I was watching the 1995 division series game five. Yes. I'm, I loved Edgar Martinez, especially in fantasy. He was a favorite pick of mine for years. I, I had to watch the game again and put myself through it. <laughs> By the way. Jack McDowell would have pitched seven innings in that game, by the way. Oh, he would never would have oh, taken him out. Oh, without a doubt. I mean, come on. If David Cohn was throwing 145-plus pitches in that game, Jack McDowell's throwing as many as he can until the arm falls off. By the way, about the drafts, you're right. I agree. It's going to make things very tough for people when we finally get the timeline for baseball, that if they already did their draft, what is there to look forward to to the upcoming season? You can't change your rosters. They're locked in. So as we had discussed in our little roundtable, you and I and AJ Mass. Uh, what about a supplemental draft when we get closer? If you drafted today, what about you set up something a little bit interesting to get people together again and do a draft right before the year begins? I guess. I mean, until I know when this is starting back up, I I don't know what to do. So, like, I run a league, and I'm just like, let's not do anything right now. Let's wait until we get more information. I don't want to set a draft day. I don't want to set a supplemental day. I I mean, somebody mentioned I'm in a keeper league with salaries. And they said, well, if it's like a 40-game season, I don't want to lose a year of, of rostering Mike Trout for what is like a quarter of a season. And I thought, that's a good point. We may have to vote on this as a league to say, well, maybe we just forget all the you know the salary of the years. You know, like you only get to roster Mike Trout for three years or something like that. Maybe it's not fair to do that to people, you know, like, or maybe there's a special rule enacted. You and I have a, have a sim league where you can only roster a player for, what, six years before you have to, you know, put them on a special, smaller list. And I was thinking, well, first of all, we push that back so we don't have to announce things. But the other rule is, like, maybe there shouldn't be a list at all. And you get an extra year out of a player because if they're going to play a quarter of a season, again, it could be 120 games that they end up playing, but I don't think it's going to be. Maybe you're going to have to, like, basically just set the rules in your league well before something happens. Yeah, I think it's a good time for for leagues to have this discussion, and especially over the next several weeks, because I think it will take some time for us to get that timeline. This is a very good discussion to have, and I think you and I would both like to hear what the listeners and viewers, if you're seeing this, uh, have to say about this. Ask questions of us. Make suggestions. We're happy to hear whatever reactions you have as to what you could do with your leagues because eric as you mentioned that's a real good point about we're burning a year i remember when alex reyes made that one appearance that one year it hurt to have to lose that year of service in our sim league exactly he barely pitched right or like one the chances the chances last season got one batter pitched to one batter that counts as a year of service time in a fantasy league now he's not a huge name but he could be a closer so yeah. anyway um briefly now and then we'll get to some questions so your Tau team, my Tau team, we did it last weekend. It was uh, These were auctions that were done online. And as we wrote up in our stories, it's very different doing an auction online as opposed to in person sitting next to all the other people. You can read the room a lot easier. Um, I also think one major difference is your access to materials on the run. Like 
when you're live when you're in a room with other people and they're putting the you know the results on the wall or something, it's much easier to like look at your screen and figure out how much money you really want to spend. When you're in an auction, it's it's going on, man. It's right there in front of you. And like I didn't have any chance, I didn't think, to go to another screen and like cross off names and tiers, T I E R S, or to do some math. It was it was like it was happening live. I like I really like my team. I want to rip your team first though. So <laughs> I want to make one quick point for you though here. And in complete defense of Eric, he the the stuff that Eric absorbs in his brain is remarkable. It's one of the Stop things it. that I found No, I have found this incredibly impressive is that you can absorb an amazing amount of material. But that said, for somebody like me and for perhaps the average fantasy owner, that's why you want these. Because these helped me a lot when I was doing Tout Wars, was the full detailed cheat sheet. Yeah, I, I tried to print something, but my printer has a virus. Coincidence. So I couldn't oh. print anything. So oh. I was just looking at, basically, I just did that whole Tout draft on my screen with nothing else. I didn't go to any other screens. I didn't look at my phone unless I was bored. So, You're a machine. You're an absolute machine how you can do that. And, and he's well, the- I'm not going to win, so it doesn't matter. Your team, <laughs> so I'm interested in your team here because... It's an unfinished product to me. It's 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 unbalanced. So I almost I try to never leave an auction or a draft thinking I have to make a trade to balance my team. But that's exactly what you did, and I assume you did it because the prices were right. Tons of stolen bases, um, a problem in the outfield. I like your pitching. So this, why did you end up with an unbalanced team, and is that okay? I did just because I felt like the values were absolutely not in the home run category in any way whatsoever in Tout Wars. It was the one category that was marked up, and I do not understand why that was done as a group. I think it was a misread of the room uh, because you can get, I think, power most anywhere. And I think it'll be able to be traded if the baseball is anything like it was last year. There will absolutely be excess of home runs, so that is the one category I can target with my excess. But and I want to see what you think of this one, Eric. I thought that pitching as a whole, especially in the top tiers, was ridiculously underpriced. The overall split for Tout Wars NL this year was 69% hitting and 31% pitching. And there were three teams that spent in the range of 25% of their team budget on pitching. I got Jacob DeGrom with the first nomination at 38. I felt that was close to what he should have gone for. Steven Strasburg at 23 to me was at least a 4 or $5 bargain. And there were a lot of guys in that tier, Jack Flaherty for $27, who were ridiculous bargains. I wish I had let uh, DeGrom go and gotten Flaherty for 28 and Strasburg for 23. But, you know, you can't spend all your budget on pitching. They're bargains if you're playing 162 games, though. Like, they're not bargains necessarily if you're playing a shortened season because somebody like Austin Voth could have the same value if he pitches over his head as some of these stars. And you ended up with Voth as well. It, it just seems to me like we're guessing at what the value actually is. I'm not a guy who sticks to a dollar, you know, a to, to a, you know, I have to spend this much on a player. Yes, I view Strasburg as more than a $23 player like you do. But to me, I was just like flying by the seat of my pants on most of these prices. I ended up spending, I think, the most of anybody on hitting. It was over 75%. But the pitching that I ended up with, I liked a lot. So, like, I would never spend $38 on a starting pitcher. You did that on DeGrom. I, my ace would have been Strasburg. I like your bullpen. I like what you did. Um, you're, I think your offense, like, you've got potentially the two biggest stolen base guys in Trey Turner and Jonathan Villar. You're going to need to trade one of them for power, I would presume. Yep, and I think I will be able to do that. I think there will be 
uh, a need for steals on the market. And the benefit I have to getting two of the speedsters, which is, I mean, I didn't think VR, VR, VR was a super bargain. I thought that was about right for his price point. But my thought was, at that time, pay the market value based on what was out there and what homers were going for. Fill my stolen bases early on in the year. And this is probably not going to work, as you mentioned. If this is a 60-game season, it's probably not going to work for me. Um, but I, I don't know that today. But I think I can trade those guys. I think I can get power. I think somebody's going to have an excess of power. They can trade me for a guy like Jonathan VR later. So if you look at my team, you can probably figure out what my, st- my strategy was. Um, I didn't want any dollar players. I wanted lots of playing time. Mine's a mixed league, so, and yours was NL only. But in most of my auctions now, my goal is get playing time. Because if you've got a guy who's not going to play enough, say a guy who's going to get 150 at-bats over a full season, that's just not good enough anymore. So, like, like I had David Freeze in NL Labor last year. It's not good enough anymore. I wanted a ton of plate appearances, and I got it. And when it came to pitching time, I still got guys who – would pitch a lot of innings too. Now they may not, I'm not going to win ERA or whip, but I kind of like what I did a lot. Um, some old, some young, some upside, some potential. What you want to do is you have a $260 budget. You want to be able to have like $350 worth of value, right? I mean, is that the goal here? That's so, a win if you get 350. I think if you get anywhere over 300, you did well. 350 would be an absolute win for you in an auction. So when I was like bidding on Vlad and Bo Bichette and their prices stalled, I thought, well, the prices might be right, but there's so much upside value in these guys where Bichette could be worth $10 more if he steals 30 bases. And Vlad's upside is, is unbelievable. So, but then I, I ended up with these older players at cheap prices too. I was like, no, Brantley, I'll take Michael Brantley. So that's fine with me. The only guy I really targeted was Nick Solak, but I had money at the end. So, and I ended up with three closers somehow. It, it, it worked out for me. I, I like what I did. Again, I'm almost hoping that we play enough games to make it worthwhile because the, le- the fewer games you play, the more it just creates anarchy and the best team may not win. So, yeah, yeah. Um, to your point, I, I think that going this route could work well in a, in a noticeably shortened season. You're spreading your risk around, which I think is going to pay off more the shorter the year is and the longer that we wait. But, and I've praised you a lot here, and I, I, <laughs> I will again because you did something very bold, and I want to bring it up. You and I talked before this draft, and you asked what you thought, what I thought you should do, and I said I thought you should go with Stars and Scrubs, and then as you wrote, you went exactly the opposite, and I'm, I'm kind of proud of the fact that you challenged my angle here. I can tell you where I stand on that. I want to get your perspective first on this because there's one part that I challenge with that. But I like that you went with a completely different approach. You had a specific plan to this. And for the most part, I can't dispute any of your values here. I really can't. Because everybody else in the league, Tristan, was doing what you said. So Mm -hmm. it created the opportunity for a great middle class where I could get all these good players at good prices in the middle but nobody had had money for the middle class. There were 72 $1 players in this mixed draft and then the mix the next day or the, the other draft the next day. Maybe it was NL or AL. And I was like, that's crazy. You know how many of these $1 pl- – some of these $1 players will be really good, but a lot of them won't play enough. Mm-hmm. Everybody on my team is going to play. And that was, the, that was my, my hope is if everybody's doing one thing, go in the opposite direction. And I like that. 
zigging when others are zagging or zagging when others zig. I like that as a strategy for an auction. The reason I challenge the approach you take, and I will tell you this, I challenge it more in a 162-game season, is that the reason I like stars and scrubs in a shallow mix, and it's not super shallow, it's relatively shallow, is that you're going to need guys to cut in order to pick up the in-season wins. That's one of the reasons I like stars and scrubs, is that you're going to have seven or eight $1 guys who you're not attached to. In this case, because you spent a little more on options, you like Nick Solak, you're probably going to be a little bit too attached to him to let him go in the opening weeks. But because the year is delayed, I don't know that the impact of the in-season pickups is going to be as great as it would be in a typical year. So this might well pay off because of the delayed year. I, I, this is going to be an interesting team to track. Plus, there's a bench. There's a reserve uh, bench. Yeah. So even yeah. I could always sit Nick Solak for a week, and people are going to get hurt, so it's not a big deal. Anyway, we'll see if this matters how it plays out, but different strategies. I didn't ignore your advice. It was just after 10 minutes, I was like, this is wild. I'm not doing what everybody else is doing. We'll see how many $50 players were there, by the way? There were had to be, I think I saw four or five of them at the very beginning. I just thought prices were a little crazy. And I was like, well, I'm not paying that much. I'd rather, I, you know, I don't remember exactly who I ended up with because I don't want to think about it too much. But like, to me, if like, if, if I could get Vlad and Abreu for the price of Yelich, I'm doing it. And that's what exactly what I was doing. We'll see how it works out. Anyway, let me read this, and then we'll get to Kyle with some questions. Do you ever feel like ticketing websites make getting to the event difficult on purpose? It is as if they're so big they can get away with not caring about the customer experience. So what if their site's annoying and doesn't have the events you want? Hello, status quo. The real question is, how easy could it be if those ticketing sites actually care? With millions of live ticket, live event tickets and a price match guarantee, SeatGeek proves there is a better way. Search sports, live music, comedy, and more. SeatGeek has the tickets you're looking for all in one place. In an industry that tends to stagnate, SeatGeek decided to stand out from the crowd. They built the fastest way to find tickets so you can stop searching for the perfect seat and start enjoying it. Can you, like, do a dance while I'm reading this? Why is SeatGeek better than the rest? A quick look at the App Store shows more than 50,000 five-star reviews. How's that for customer satisfaction? It's just a better process. SeatGeek pulls together millions of tickets from all over the web, then it rates each deal on a scale of 1 to 10. Finally, SeatGeek displays them on an interactive seat map. They break down the details. Green dots mean good deals, red dots are overpriced, and every purchase is fully guaranteed. So you can shop for tickets with confidence. We all have the SeatGeek app on our phones, and it's by far the easiest and fastest way to find tickets. And we've used this app quite a bit in the past to Go to games, concerts, and things like that, and, and we always have a good time. SeatGeek will even give you $10 off your first SeatGeek purchase. All you need to do is use the promo code. Download the SeatGeek app today and use promo code FFB for $10 off on your first purchase. That's promo code FFB for $10 off your first purchase. All right, Kyle. You want to say something? Say something. We got to introduce him with some good music, don't we? We've got hash browns. We've got hash browns. Here's some hash browns. There's hash browns. I am hungry. <laughs> That's amazing. That's the best intro I've ever had. Can we make that a drop? Like we're recording this. We can obviously put it in the system somewhere. I have a hunch that when we get a little cleaner audio with that, I'll have to retape it for you. But it won't quite be off the cuff like that. <laughs> I was like, is this show gonna be good? Is it worth it? You just made it worth it just now. <laughs> I'll drink to that. I like it. 
Eric, did you know that you're talking about that 23-22 Phillies game? That game had 11 pitchers in it. Your Phillies played the Cubs last May and had nine pitchers in a 3-2 game. <laughs> Baseball was very different and well before you were born different. in the 70s, Kyle. Oh, I mean, man. That, I, I, let me just tell you, while I was watching that game, I watched it like three times that day. I was on Baseball Reference all day long, looking yeah. stuff up. You know I was staring at the box score. Willie Hernandez retired eight of 24 hitters he faced in relief. When's the last time that happened? That's, I mean, the Phillies had like seven bench hitters and only used three of them in a 23-22 game. And, and I was looking at the teams like these teams only used like four or five relievers during the season mainly. Like in the 70s, that's what used to happen. Like many- now you use that every day. How many relief pitchers would have batted in extra innings and how many <laughs> batsmen would have pitched in extra innings because you ran out of pitchers? <laughs> well, that's the thing. The game didn't go on like deep into like 16 innings. So I think that's the difference. It was only a 10 yeah. inning game and teams, they stopped scoring in like the eighth. But like the Phillies pitcher, Randy Lurch, homers in the first inning and then gets only one batter out in the bottom of the first. That's something that I doubt has ever happened. I just anyway, I loved it. It was fun. I- I'm gonna, I don't even know what's on today, but I'm going to watch it. I mean, what a twist do I have? <laughs> so, <laughs> I want it to be a game the Yankees win for once. Please let me watch those again. There aren't that like many. Game to seven of the 60 series. That would be cool to watch. Can we watch that? Now I'm thinking of Yankee losses that I want to watch over and over again. 2001 game seven was painful to watch. It was. Oh, the Luis Gonzalez game. Yeah. But it was a great – a lot of Yankee losses were great games, and I'll watch a great baseball game. Yeah. All right. Yeah, so what do we got, Kyle? Questions here. Gear <laughs> wants to know, in a 13-team Roto League, are you comfortable with you, Darvish, as your ace? Uh, you know what? It, I don't care about having an ace. I, it doesn't matter. It's not like you're, this is not real baseball where you want somebody on the mound for game one of the World Series. So if I have a couple pitchers – all I want is good enough pitching overall out of my six starters. If Darvish is my best, but like my number two is like Kyle Hendricks or Lance Lynn, and I've got like three or four pitchers that you would consider top 30, 35 starting pitchers, I'm okay with that. All I care about is the overall. Darvish is good enough to be an ace, even if he, we rank him as like the number 20 starting pitcher. Yeah, and I think that's the point here is that he's still within the top 20. I've got Lucas Giolito, you Darvish, and uh, Tyler Glass now as my final three members of the top 20. Woodruff right outside of it. So I don't think it's devastating to have a guy like Darvish as your first pitcher. It's just I would ask you, how are you addressing the remainder of your pitching staff? It's just going to force you to do it a little bit more. I mentioned the word homework a lot. It's going to force you to do a lot more homework in terms of streaming starters or getting values in season or potentially drafting three or four starters in a row at that point to fill the other roles. Which is what I did in the tout draft last week. My ace, and I don't care if I have an ace, but my top starting pitcher in price was Trevor Bauer. I know I'm getting strikeouts. Then I have Lance Lynn. So I spent basically the same amount you did on Strasburg. I got Bauer and Lynn. I'd rather do it that way. I mean, if you do stars and scrubs, then you're hoping that Austin Voth at $2 turns out to be good. Actually, you you cut Bauer, Lynn, and Hector Neris combined for less than I paid for Jacob Degrom. Completely different league types, but just a, just that to works. Prove your point. That works for me. So don't worry about who your ace is or your number one starter. Worry more about your four, five, and six because if you spend yeah. less, 
or use less assets on the, the rest, you know, on the top of the rotation, maybe the bottom. Like, my worst starting pitchers are Tanaka and Jose Urquidy. I'm fine with that. I can make a case for them as number four, number five starting pitchers, whereas if you spend all your money on, like, one or two starters, your fifth and sixth might be either middle relievers or a guy like Voth who may not even make the rotation. And to the point, as you said, about the reserve draft in the Tout Wars Mixed League, as long as you have players to cut and you see an opportunity out there on the waiver wire, that could be where the the league-winning player comes from. Just be prepared for it. Sam's next up. He's got a question. He wants to know how you balance chasing age against current production when you're taking place in a first-year dynasty draft. Well, I know what I'm doing, and it's not like... It's not the same thing, Tristan. You're chasing so, me <laughs> the other direction. Go Nelson Cruz. Everybody 35 and older goes to Carabao. I'm not, I'm not saying I'm taking Nelson Cruz in round five, but nobody else is taking him before round 10, so I'll just take him there. You want to balance. You want to try to win now. Who wants to just draft a bunch of kids and wait five years? I want to try to win now and in five years. And in my dynasty leagues, I, I've been able to do that, I think. But you... You know, you're cha- you're taking Jason Dominguez of the Yankees, an 18 year old, in round five. Well, not round five, but <laughs> near round 10, near where Nelson Cruz would be potentially, depending on what the the lock. Why are you are, doing but... that, by the way? Let me let me make this point, okay? Yeah. In a dynasty league, people are going to be drafting teenagers. If you're drafting Wander Franco in round three, that's one thing. If you're drafting Jason Dominguez in round 10, that's another. Take young players like Bo Bichette and Vlad, who who have growth in them. But they're still young. And they're probably a little, like, Bichette's probably a little overpriced right now. And Vlad's definitely underpriced. But in a dynasty league, a startup, I'm focusing on young hitters, not young pitchers, young hitters. And I'm not focusing on prospects. I don't want Joe Adele in the early rounds. I want Vlad. I want guys who have already played in the major leagues and have opportunity right now. Joe Adele might be great, Tristan. But, I mean, when I was looking up that Yankee... That Yankee Mariners game of 95 and A-Rod was coming off the bench. Yeah. Look up A-Rod's rookie season of 95. He did nothing. Oh, now, it was awful. He was terrible. Trout yeah. his first year, terrible. Joe Adele, if he gets 100 at-bats this year, maybe they're good. But, like, be careful here. So I'm taking guys. I don't want to say Nick Senzel because I don't know what his role is. But you know what I'm thinking. I'm thinking of young players who have the opportunity right now and are going to play right away. I'm going to try and create a new show thing here. We're going to call dynasty and dynasty separate things. If it's a true dynasty, it's locked forever without penalty. And those are the ones in which I'm talking about taking Jason Dominguez, where if I lock him in now, I have him for the entirety of his career without penalty. That is why you would draft him around the same range you would Nelson Cruz. But as you describe, Eric, with dynasty, and these are the ones you and I play in, they're more like three to five year contract oriented long term keeper leagues. And those are the ones where I agree with you. It's better to play for the now. I still do lean more than you do towards a three-year or maybe five-year attempt to win. But there is validity in what you're saying about trying to win right now. We don't know what tomorrow is going to bring. And I just, I just prefer not to be the pessimist that I, I hear this, this argument that what if the league doesn't last five years? I want to be optimistic that it does. But it's a valid point. What if the league doesn't last five years? All right, I like that. You guys mentioned chasing strikeouts and zigging when other people zag in your drafts. David always chases Ks, but so does the rest of his league. He wants to know some low K-rate pitchers that you're comfortable with drafting this year. Sparky Lyle. 
everybody from the seventies, right? You <laughs> should work reader. So I'm, I'm watching that Yankees game against, is that the, I don't remember what game that was now. It wasn't the Fidrich game. It was another Yankee game from the seventies that was on TV. And I was Fedrich. like, it was Fedrich. No, it was because Gossage closed it out. So, Oh, that Gossage. was the 78 tiebreaker. The, the 78 tiebreaker. Oh, it was game. the Bucky Dent game. Yeah. It was the Bucky Dent game. And I'm looking at these relief pitchers. Bob Stanley and Sparky Lyle had caper nine rates of like 2.5. Yeah. And they were closers. Yeah. Well, the guy that jumps out. So why would you want starting pitchers that, with low K9s? That would be my first question here. But there are quite a few, and you probably have it on your screen, which I can't get to right now. But – like, the one that jumps out to me who I like more than you is Sandy Alcantara who, of the Marlins, who did not have a high canine rate last year, but I think he has room to improve. So I don't care so much what the rate was last year because I think it's going up. Um, that's the guy that jumps out to me, Alcantara. Yeah, and that was one of the ones that first came up for me here, uh, is that he's an interesting guy with some upside. And I do like a few of the Marlins pitchers there. Uh, Alcantara, by the way, in the minors, did have a couple of years where he approached a K per inning, including in 2016 when he was in the Cardinal system, did with more than nine per nine. So I agree with you. There's some uh, rebound there. Of the pitchers who averaged fewer than eight Ks per nine last year, the most generous, generously ranked in general, especially by you and me, Kyle Hendricks of the Cubs, like him a lot. He has the ability to, to induce weak contact. Marcus Stroman of the Mets gets lots of ground balls. Uh, Tanaka, who you had drafted in Tal Wars, Eric, very good control. The splitter still does get K's and generates a lot of ground balls. Mike Soroka, I mentioned him when we first heard the question. Good young arm, just has to stay healthy, I would think. And you mentioned Alcantara as well. Those, I think, would be the best ones on this list. Right. Soroka is a problem for me because we know he's not going to be in a 200-inning season. He's not going to approach 200 strikeouts. He almost doesn't belong in the top 20 starting pitchers on anybody's list. No, he doesn't. It's just not enough strikeouts. And, 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 and no path for him to become a strikeout pitcher, whereas without Cantor. Now, if Soroka is Kyle Hendricks for the next five years, that's good enough. But he hasn't proven it yet. I, I think if, if Soroka has a Matt Cain career, we should be really happy. And I think he well could do that. That might be good enough for top 20, but in this environment with strikeouts, it's going to be tough for him to consistently be in the top 20. I have him ranked outside my top 30 right now. All right, we've got the last one here from Neil. He wants to know if there's a stolen base total you're looking for when drafting in a 10-team ESPN standard. Honestly, in the drafts that I've done, the auctions and the drafts, stolen bases is the one category I can't stop thinking about. I Honestly, if, if, if VR and Trey Turner go in your league, and you're like, well, now what am I going to do? And and the 2020 guys, you know, like Yelich, Acuna, Trout, you're like, oh, I don't want Malik Smith. I, I won't take D. Gordon. Like, that one category messes with your head more than any other in these drafts. It really does. It makes you overpay for some of these guys who you know are going to make me overpay for Victor Robles. In NL Labor, I had to overpay for him because I, I was scared I wouldn't get saves as steals. And unlike you, I knew I wouldn't be able to trade for them. So – I that category, there's no total anymore. I don't even look at it that way. I'm almost trying to just get to 100. And I think it might well be 100. I, I would probably aim for, in a 10-team league, 125 steals out of the draft because it's going to be hard to get to that level otherwise without making a significant trade. Last year, and I'm not going to lock in an exact 
fact here for you because I'd need to check it. But I believe the 2,280 stolen bases in baseball last year was the lowest of any full year in more than a half century. And if that's the case and you divide it by 10, you're looking at 228. And that assumes that you'd be able to first roster, but two, identify all of those stolen bases. You typically can't. So I would be dialing that back at least to maybe 50 or 60% is what you're going to be able to have reasonably on your roster. And Eric, I, I think you agree with me on this one. I would much rather draft a roster where I'm getting 10 stolen bases from everybody that have to pay for that one speedster. Give me Cody Bellinger types all day. All right, well, you can't do that. That's Cody Bellinger. Give me Shinshu Chu types, and then you know you're getting 20 home runs, 15 steals. I tried to do that a little bit in the tout draft. Um, the, the, the risk in taking a Robles or a Turner or a Whit Merrifield is that they don't steal enough where they get hurt and they miss time, and then you're in real trouble. I was looking at it this way. like You want to get 100 saves, that could win the league. You want to get 100 steals, that could win the league. But nobody wants to take a, a saves guy that gets 15. They only want a, guy, a saves guy who gets 30. But in stolen bases, it's the opposite. I think you want to get a bunch of guys who steal 15 to 20 as opposed to relying on just Trey Turner. Because Trey Turner bats 30 may not even do that. So it's a big risk. I raised Bellinger just because of the examples two and three years ago. People didn't think of him as a speedster. You need to find the guys who can sneak their way into 15 to 20 steals that nobody else is thinking about. Yes, but I mean, you're talking about one of the top guys who could be a top five pick, who should be a top now, five pick. Yeah, now. If, now. You, if you build an outfield of Adam Eaton, Shin Chu Chu, Lorenzo Cain, you can fake your way. You don't have to win stolen bases, but you can fake your way to contention in that category. That would be enough for me this year. And then to me, that's where you're going to get – we always get saves off free agency. You're going to get steals. This year's John Birdie is going to win people leagues because he's going to steal 15 bases in the final five weeks of the season. That's almost as valuable as you know a, a reliever getting 10 saves in the final five weeks who nobody's heard of. So it can work both ways. When Miles Straw finds his way into the Astros lineup because somebody gets hurt or they fall out of contention <laughs> – yeah, right. Uh, yeah, that'll be the guy winning your league. It's going to be something like that. You know it. And nobody's talking about the Astros anymore, are they? No. <laughs> no, they're not. <laughs> I mean, I, I hated everything that happened with that, and I hated all the discussion. And then, like, all the people guessing, like, somebody ripped me for taking Jose Altuve in a recent auction or draft. and like, what's wrong with you? He's, he's, he's cheated. I'm like, you know this? You know what he did? You know exactly yeah. what happened? That was Tout Wars, and you got him for 28, and I like the price a lot. As you know, he was my uh, third-round pick in the TGFBI draft, and I was pretty pleased to see him out there in round three. Yeah, so that that situation is over with right now. So, I whatever. I just want real baseball, live baseball, hopefully sometime in May or June. That would be great. As for the fantasy-focused baseball, I think we're done, even though the music didn't stop because the music never started. But um, – there's only so do much the, we can do. Do the chill voice. Oh, so we are done. No, because if I speak too low, it may not pick up. I don't. I don't know if we can do that. So Kyle, can we just, like talk? Can we talk low. I don't know if we're allowed. I think seeing you do it is worth it, regardless if we can hear it or not. Do I have to get up close? <laughs> What's Everybody, in your mind? Have your coffee, and I'm sure it will calm you down. In no way will it make you energetic, or excitable, or. Willing to sing a new hash brown song. What are you watching today? 
other than baseball, if there's any baseball, I don't even know if there's any baseball on. I actually, I've got to start a new show. We uh, just finished, uh, we, we, we finished season three of Marvelous Mrs. Maisel. Oh, it's so good. Yeah. Well, I didn't like season three as much as the first two. I don't, how, what do you think? Wait, you're watching this with your children? No, 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 no. Just the two of us. We're watching like the Disney movies and things with the kids. Okay. I, I liked Marvelous Mrs. Maisel. I thought it was pretty good. Um, You've, have you, you ever seen watch- all three seasons? I think so, yeah. Yeah, three, three I wasn't as impressed by as the first two, but the first was really excellent, I thought. I think we're only allowed to talk about stuff on Disney. So have you watched Frozen 2 yet? <laughs> I am actually, I'm looking forward to Onward. We've, we've already scheduled it for that. That's our movie night for that night that Onward comes on to that. I love the fact that, that they brought that out for Disney Plus early. What's that other show, the Maledictorian or whatever? The <laughs> <laughs> Mandalorian! That's I my... it! Yeah, that what? show! Next show, I'm going to show you my Mandalorian socks. <laughs> better stop before we get in trouble. This is probably never happening again. <laughs> oh, give me a show to watch. Give me a new show to watch. That's not on Disney? Or that is on Any, Disney? Anything. Just anything. Yeah, anything. I, I don't even know. I don't even know where. Peaky Blinders. Have you ever seen that? I've never even heard of that. I'm telling you, that show is fantastic. <laughs> Look it up. Peaky Blinders? Yes. Don't, but not for the kids. No okay. kids. <laughs> okay. I'll take it under advice. Here. We got Peaky Blinders, Better Call Saul. What else am I putting on this poll so the people can tell Tristan what to watch? Yeah. Right. I just finished Breaking Bad, so I'm going to watch Better Call Saul now. Um, mm-hmm. Burn Notice is amazing. It's old, but it's amazing. It's good. Burn Notice. I've heard of that. Yeah. No, that's going on the poll. Okay. What else? Well, I, mean, I mean, have you ever seen Mad Men? I watched one or two of those it's a while fantastic. ago, but otherwise hadn't. Okay. It's fantastic. Oh, there you go. Right. There's your poll, Tristan. Twitter will awesome. tell you what to do. All right. Oh, it always Thanks. does. All right. Before Twitter tells me what to do now, we're done. Thank you so much for watching, listening, whatever. And hopefully we can do it again. For Kyle and uh, for Tristan, I am Eric. Have a great day. Awesome. Everything is awesome.